Welcome to the In the Light Ministries of Philadelphia Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast, resources, and other ways to get connected, please visit inthelight.church. Proverbs 69 says this, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Amen? So my statement that God desires to be the one to fully guide you is supported with Scripture. God now has a divine plan and destiny set up for your life. And he will now be the one to guide you every step of the way into the fulfillment of his divine plan. Every once in a while, there are things from the world that creep into the church. And, and, and because words are so powerful, we take words that are utilized in a secular setting, we bring them into the church, and in a benign manner, begin to utilize them. And before we know it, we change culture in the church. Because of the power of words. So here's a word that started surfacing in the church about 20 years ago. But has always been in the workplace, especially in the social field, for far longer. The word burnout. So we start hearing burnout, burnout. And I remember I was in a field where they gave me five weeks vacation and two weeks sick leave because of high burnout rate. I lasted 15 years in the juvenile justice system and never burned out. And I got much more intimate and personal with my clients than most people. You know why I never burnt out? Because I never saw it as a job. I saw it as a ministry. And I was doing it for God. And because I was doing it for God, I was anointed. And that's why I was successful. As a matter of fact, Pastor Andy, who today is the pastor, was one of my first clients. So when I talk about fruitful, he's the pastor today because of my relationship with him when he was 14 little titere. <laughs> Burnout in the kingdom takes place not when you're doing God's work, but when you're doing your own work. When for whatever reason you choose you need to do this or that, but you don't bathe it with prayer, you don't bathe it with counsel, you don't seek God's direction for your life, and then you get yourself doing a little bit more than, you, than God wanted you to do anyway, and then you start burning out and say, that church burnt me out. No, you need to be accepted recognized 
elevated and validated, that got you burnt out. I want to be nice. It's hard work for me to be nice. So he will now be the one to guide us for the fulfillment of his divine plan. He does this by the power, say power, power. and presence of the Holy Spirit. He moves in seasons and times to bring us into the fulfillment of divine purpose. To be Holy Spirit led and guided requires us to resist our natural tendencies to be carnally minded and sensually driven. I just described when burnout happens, it has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with the church. It has everything to do with our difficulty with being led by the Spirit into the work of the Spirit and not our own natural tendencies or carnal-minded and sensually driven lifestyle. And when I say lifestyle, it's because, listen, if you all up emotional and you got saved, you're going to bring up, you're going to bring your all up emotional into the church. Amen? And, and you have to be able to identi identify this is how I was in the world. Just because I got Jesus now don't mean it's how I'm not going to be in the church. This is exactly how I'm going to be in the church. And I've got to submit myself to a process of discipleship. I've got to submit myself to a process of discipline. I've got to submit myself into a process of learning so that I can overcome my natural tendencies. Amen? Oh, glory to God. These moments are much more common in our lives than we think. I believe that they have been recorded biblically for our benefit. I call it a place of decision where, where it will be about him or about us. His power and his presence is essential. God in his infinite wisdom will often lead us and guide us to places hard to comprehend. Because he wants to birth something. He wants to give life to something. He wants divine purpose to be fulfilled. And he often has to bring us into the dark so that he can take us into the light and we can recognize the difference. But like all birthings, this may require labor. So let's examine several moments in Scripture where these moments of birthing required a response for a breakthrough or for a birthing. The Holy Spirit 
serves at our, as our midwife, working together with us to bear fruit. Let us explore. First, a group, then a community of faith, and lastly, an individual. All ready to birth into being greater levels of faith, fruit, and effectiveness. The first story is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 6. Some of us know it as the bread of life discourse. So Jesus said, again, beginning with verse 53, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day, for my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. Many disciples deserted Jesus. In other words, many of his disciples said this is a very hard understanding. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware of which disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And every word I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. And he knew who would betray him. That he said, that is why I said the people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. In this bread of life discourse, we see one of those come to Jesus moments where we will either accept by faith, trusting in that the one who brought me this far will take me further, or Fear and unbelief will fill our hearts and we, like these disciples, will surrender to a sense of futility. In other words, it's, it's hopeless. Why even try? No matter what I do, I perpetually take one step forward and two steps back. What ends up happening is we give in to feelings of hopelessness, walking away empty. This moment in the formation of his disciples was significant. He was calling them to higher ground. A greater sense of intimacy and consecration. In the Bread of Life discourse, Jesus is simply saying this. You must increase from coming to me for what you can get from me and purpose to be like me. Purpose to serve like me, purpose to love like me, and purpose to live like me. 
I believe that God will often cause us to examine motive. In this action, it's not that he is not aware. It is that they need to be aware. So what that means is it's not that God doesn't know that your motives are twisted. It's not that God is bringing you to a place where he wants to expose your motives to yourself. So that you can see that you're a little bit torcido. That somehow you're, you're wanting to look that way, but you're looking this way. And so he'll check your motives. He'll check your motive and he'll make it aware to you. And God is so good that, that he doesn't necessarily expose you to others. But to you. Because he, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna conceive within you a breakthrough. He wants to birth something out of you. Oh, you've been faking the funk. You look real good, man. You like GQ Christian. But he sees something in you that no one else sees. And he's going to come and he's going to say, okay, man. I know it's good and it feels good. But I'm going to put you through something because I want to bring something out of you. Because I want you to serve me and be faithful to me when nothing you are trying works. And in order for that to happen, I've got to expose to you that your, your focus has shifted to what you can offer me and my people to what you get from me. And that's what happened from that moment on. Some people say that, that most of the crowd that followed Jesus was about 120 and out of that 120, there was maybe about 60 to 70% adults. According to the scripture, just about everybody left. How would you like to preach a message, Pastor? <laughs> and 60% of your congregation walks away. They were with him when he fed thousands of people. Think about it. Walking with Jesus at that time in a hard time, Roman rule, the Jews under extreme oppression, no prophetic voice for over 400 years. This was party time. Whoop, whoop. We are Jesus followers. Whoop, whoop. We got even offerings. Whoop, whoop. Everybody in the house eats. Woo, woo. And he says, it's got to be more than that. Because your ancestors got to eat and still died. Remember when they got the bread from heaven? But this, 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 <laughs> this is the real deal. And if you want to eat this, and if you want to drink this, and if you want it to really produce out of you, 
what you see and what draws you, then you've got to come to a place where you've got to be willing to pay the price I pay. You've got to be willing to walk like I walk. You've got to be willing to love like I love. You've got to be really and be for real, for real. Stop faking the funk. And he lost most of the church. Nowadays, the, the seeker-sensitive preachers say, well, that was a mistake in the print the other day. We were reading from another page. We, don't, we didn't mean any of that. <laughs> Please come back. Because, because crowds are more important. Let us examine the second story. I like Paul, so let's go check out Paul. The Holy Spirit had been poured out. Paul's conversion, a miraculous transformation. He's beginning to travel. I don't know if you're aware that Paul was actually in exile after his conversion uh, because none of the apostles wanted to deal with him. They didn't trust him. He actually doesn't get an audience with, with all of the counsel of the apostles till 14 years after his conversion. That's why he says it was the Holy Spirit who taught me. I went back home to dye skins and be a tent maker again. Nobody wanted to talk to me. Nobody had anything to do with me. Barnabas has to go get him. I said, come on, bro. You've been, you've been out here too long. I know you're a good man. Come. Let's go do some work for God. So now Paul is established and they had started a church in, in Philippi. And so I want to read to you what he, the letter he sends to the Philippians because there was some problems in the Philippian church. So in chapter 3, verse 12 through 19, he says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. He says, if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. What was the dynamic? Paul was speaking into a church which had some level of success, meaning they were in revival. Leadership was now at odds. A potential crisis was brewing. The product or byproduct of success. Paul exhorts them by saying, 
stand fast, stay the course, be of the same mind, and focus on Jesus. That's basically the exhortation to the Philippian church. Now, I have a little bit of experience with this because I remember at ITLM in Lancaster, we had two powerful moves. The first powerful move was in the year 2000 when we went to Charlotte Street, and the church went from about 200 in, in about a year to, to almost 500 people. Your pastors came during that time. Then we had a second outpouring, which was five years later in 2005 when we moved into the Shippen Street location that you will be visiting. And the attendance jumped again in about a year, a year and a half, from an average of about 400 to 500 to close to 800. Chairs were being put in the aisles. Chairs were put in, being put in the front. And it was at that level of success that I began to receive the greatest criticism that had ever come to the ministry that God was exercising through my life. I was hearing things like, I was not educated enough. I'm like, wow, you got great revelation. <laughs> I publicly have said, I have a GD from Puerto Rico. All of a sudden, what I was preaching, we have no clue what you're preaching anymore. I'm like, really? But the altars still are full. And people are getting saved. See, what happened was that at the apex of that, humanly speaking, success, people began to experience a doctrinal shift. And all of a sudden, they didn't embrace the vision that was in the house. And because they couldn't move this Boricua from his steadfast focus on the vision that God had given in 1991, then they began to be, be, go underground with, with verbiage or language that was breeding division. In the house. See, success can often be as much a hindrance to forward advance in the kingdom of God than failure. Do you know that most businesses will tell you that one of the reasons businesses don't last certain is past a certain threshold is because at some point they begin to stray from the core values and begin to implement other ideas that had nothing to do with what brought them to that place of success and what ends up happening is they end up becoming something else and totally lose their viability What am I saying? Paul is saying, look, man, this ain't rocket science. 
He's saying, stay the course. How you start it, keep it up. Don't get distracted. Keep focused. I remember in the midst of that, because you know the, the, the New Yorker in me wanted to slap somebody. Right? I'm, I'm being honest with you. But I knew that was the flesh. That wasn't God. So I had to hold my peace. And I had to, like a mother hen, become a protector of the body. And I took shots. I took shots. And they're wicked, wicked things. If I tell you that, people said to me, because what they wanted to do was throw me off course. But I didn't think about myself, because if I had thought about myself, I would have acted out and settled the matter and ended up with five people in church, my wife and my kids. So I had to be the spiritual father that God called me to be, and I had to eat that, and I had to take it, and I had to die silently, internally, keeping focus. And every time I would pray, the Holy Spirit would say to me, lead, stay focused. That's all. I'm like, come on, you're repeating yourself. So I had to conclude that either he wasn't getting it or I wasn't. So I concluded, okay, I think I'm not getting it. So I'm going to lead and I'm going to focus. And I'm going to let the shots come and I'm just going to let them bounce off, God. And, and you're going to, until one night, about two and a half, a, a year and a half, two years into it, he wakes me up at three in the morning and gives me a specific strategy. And we bring out a, a church doctor from the outside who comes in who had also spoken into your church. And he came in and did an evaluation and pretty much shut up the mouth of all those critics. who was saying in the light ministries were irrelevant. He says, this is the first church I've ever evaluated in revival. Remember that? He said, this is the closest, the closest church to the book of Acts that I have ever evaluated. This is an outside person. He said, he said what needs to happen is you just need to put your hands to the plow and get to doing the work. So in essence, he told those people who were the naysayers, Bro, you've lost the vision. If you've lost the vision, get out the way. Stop being, stop being, you know, professional disruptors. Just get out the way. You don't have to like it. Just shut your mouth and get out the way. And so... That's what Paul is doing here. God is wanting to take the church at Philippi to a whole nother level. And what happens is, that's why at the end he starts criticizing. He says, listen, listen to me. Forget about those people. I'm, I've never led you wrong. I've never led you wrong. Why all of a sudden you're going to let these weasels come in and start saying stuff If they were from God, they wouldn't have said anything. They just would have moved on. I still have some of my closest friends are people who don't go to ITLM anymore. Because they left in an honorable manner. That tells me God really did move them. And I need to honor that. 
But people who leave and they leave kicking and screaming, that right there confirms they're out of order. Just the way they handle this shows they're not being spirit-led. And that's what Paul is dealing with. He's saying God wants to birth something in you. Don't get thrown off course. Stay focused. Be of the same mind. You don't always have to agree, but you got to recognize this is the leadership God has given to us, and we need to honor that leadership. And he says, and at the end of the day, focus on Jesus. Can I tell you something? You want to, like I said in the beginning, you know, the Holy Spirit really wants you to be a better everything wherever you are. The only way you can do that is with your eyes on Jesus. Because he's the model. Amen? So I wish I can tell you that the battle between self and divine purpose ends. But I'd be lying. It doesn't end. As long as sin still affects this flesh and we live in this fallen world, this battle will remain. The Holy Spirit working together with God, the Father, and Jesus the Christ will give us the victory over the flesh, the world, and its philosophies, and demonic forces. You will experience victory if you stay the course, if you stay focused, if you continue to make Jesus the central figure of your life. He, the Holy Spirit, will lead and guide us into truth and victory. I love Paul's attitude because Paul said, listen, be like me. <laughs> he, said, he, says, he says, I don't have it all. I'm not perfect. Said, I, I'm not perfect. He said, but one thing I know. He said, one thing I know, God got a hold of me. And my whole purpose in life is to get a hold of him. And he said, that's why I count all of my achievements prior to him. Kaka. That's what he said. I mean, the word is dung. If you know the word dung translated is caca. <laughs> he says that. Paul writes that. I call all. Now, you got, you're talking about a man. He, he had to, in defense of his ap apostolic mantle, defended himself. And at one point, he said, look, man, I'm the real deal, bro. I was born into the tribe of Benjamin. I'm like a Puerto Rican that said, yo tengo la mancha de plátano, bro. He says, I was born from the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. In other words, I'm a for real, for real Jew, bro. He says, I, I, I'm more zealous than anyone else, fired up for God. If anybody have a reason to brag, he says, it's me. But I don't brag because with everything I accomplished in all my history, if I had died without Jesus, I would have ended up in hell. 
So he's basically saying, I ain't got nothing to brag about except this. I know he got a hold of me. And, 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 and as he got, Pastor Jamie, can, can we create a visual here? So, so what he's basically saying is God got a hold of him. Squeeze, but not too tight. I, I'm trusting you. At the New York, I never would have done this. I, I'm from the kingdom now. And this is a kingdom man. So what he's saying is, God got a hold of me. This was me, and God came and got me. He said, but I refuse, I refuse, I refuse to continue to live like this. I'm not going to live like this. I'm going to turn, and I'm going to apprehend the one who apprehended me. He said, this is how we're, we're going to live. Thank you, Pastor. That made you uncomfortable? Hug a man that tight? Remember, I'm, I'm dad, bro. That's what he said. He said, I, I, I purpose to press into the one who pressed into me. And so the picture is God and Paul pressing into each other. He says, that's how I live. That's how I keep this foolishness out of my mind. That's how I keep focused. That's how I keep steady. That's how I keep true. That's how I keep doing this thing. They stone me. They kick me. They reject me. But I keep pressing in to the one who pressed into me. You want to live continuously victorious in Christ, always having babies? Press into him. Press into him. Press into him. And you won't be easily distracted. And it's like I tell somebody, don't live in fear. Because when you are pressing into him, even if you take a wrong turn, he says, I want you here. But you end up here. God's like this. All right, it's time to do something. I'm going to use brother so-and-so. Where he at? He ain't here. Where he Man. Come here, bro. Come here. That's the God I serve. stressing with me taking a detour as long as my heart is for him you can somehow take a left when you should have made a right he's gonna come get you he's gonna come get you he's gonna go get you he's gonna bring you back where you should have been because he has invested his entire life into you That's why you don't got to live in fear. You, 
just got to live in love. That's it. When you live in love, you make that phone call. When you live in love, you send that card. When you live in love, you buy that gift. When you live in love, nobody has to remind you that you're in love. As a matter of fact, they say more like, Chico, ya deja de estar hablando tanto de esa mujer. All the translations of my Puerto Rican statements will be translated later on by the faithful few that understand the language. That's the God we serve. This God has pressed into you. He was in heaven and he decided to come to earth to make a way by which you and him can be so intimate and so close that you absolutely lack nothing for the rest of your life. That's why the scripture that was quoted by our young man is this, the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelleth in our Lord, and I, we, are complete in him. My last story in closing. is found in Matthew, Mark, chapter 10, verse 17 through 22. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was a young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, listen, and this is what most people fail to understand. Listen to this. Then come, follow me. Then come, follow me. At this demand's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. We know this man was genuine, because the scriptures record it. However, the lesson here is that the blessed state of a believer and his shift in focus from fishers of men to fish tank attendants, can easily find yourself disqualified from your call, from your apostolic call, from your, your surrendered call, your discipleship call. Human history shows that human prosperity or that human's propensity is to worship what makes him prosperous. So we've been challenged to examine our motivation. We've been challenged to not get distracted and press into the one who has pressed into us. 
And now, like this rich young ruler, we are being challenged to lay it all down now that you have obtained the blessing. Because remember, this man was considered blessed. He was a Jew. He was a Jew who obeyed the law. So he was a blessed man. But yet he was empty. He knew something was lacking. Because what the world offers will never satisfy you. And he recognizes this. And the Holy Spirit brings him to the feet of Jesus. And G listen to this. Jesus invites him into ministry. See, there were many people Jesus touched who wanted to go with him. And he said, no, 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 no. Stay here and be a witness. This man haven't even decided to follow Jesus. And Jesus invites him into ministry. That says that the man had a call. There was a call on his life. Jesus identifies that call. See, within Hebrew culture, when a teacher of the law invited you, that was a privileged call. That's why Elisha didn't ask, yo, bro, what you doing putting your cloak on me? He knew. The culture stated that when a prophet comes to you and touches you to follow him, that's the greatest call you could have. Remember, this is a theocracy. This is a God-ruled people. So this man understood. And he would not lay it all down for the call of the ministry because he counted what he would have to give up. There's nobody more frustrated in any church than people with a call and a pastor with a challenge than those who refuse to answer the call. And Sunday after 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 Sunday are reminded by the Holy Spirit that they are refusing to respond because the price is bigger than they're willing to pay. There's the precursor to burnout. It has nothing to do with activity. It has everything to do with rejecting what God is calling you to do. For this rich young ruler, a birthing was about to happen. And instead, a miscarriage took place. See... For the believer who has said yes, who is pressing into Christ, he'll go find you. When you in your bozo giftedness stray off the path. But when God comes to the life of a person and, and is inviting them to press in and, 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 and saying, I'm going to bring you close to me to reject it. It's more than can be bared. Today, God is saying to us, 
Where are you? Where, where are you? I want to examine your, your motivation. Has your motivation stayed pure? Is it still about me, Jesus? Or has it become about what you do in the church? He's saying to others, you've been here so long. When the apostle speaks, you treat it as common. It's no longer a God said, as Jamie said. I was telling Pastor Jamie, Apostle Jamie, I was saying to him, you know, if Paul walked into this room today, he would be at this altar weeping because he could not believe that we took the letters he wrote and turned them into a Bible. He didn't write them for them to be publicated along with Genesis, Revelations, I mean, not Revelation, but Genesis and Exodus. He didn't put his words at the same level of the, Pen of the Pentateuch. The first five books of the Bible, which were life-giving to the Jew. No, we did that. What I'm saying to you is that his leadership was so practical and so real. They took him for granted then. That's why he had to read these letters, because he had to send the letters to a people who took for granted what they had received and swiftly forgot and they allowed other voices to come in and, and shift their focus. And he had to write these letters to write the ship so that they could keep giving birth to what God had called them to. So maybe you are here today and you have grown and you have matured. And instead of appreciating what you're a part of, you've become a critic of what you're a part of. I tell people, when God shows you something in the house, it's for intercession first and for involvement second. Did you hear that? For intercession and involvement. Pastors can tell you, what is it that I'm known for at ITLM? That if you bring a suggestion to Pastor Phil, what must you be willing to do? Run with it, right? Because the first thing I'll say is, good, do that. And then, I'm just sharing it with you so you can, no, no, no. God gave you that revelation, right? Then it's for you to run with it. And so, so with time, they're like, I got a revelation, but I ain't telling them because I ain't willing to put in the work. Then, that, then you did the right thing. Stay quiet. So again. If you receive a revelation, it's for intercession or for participation. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Subscribe to our podcast and social media outlets to be kept up to date with everything going on at In the Light Ministries of Philadelphia.